Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. continue on from last week and I'm believing and trusting in expectation God that you're going to do something great in this service on Vision Sunday we give you the praise the glory and the honor someone say in Jesus name amen amen you can be seated amen thank you Pastor Stewart amen God is searching and seeking uh, a worshiper Uh, He's looking for the true worshiper. And I said this last week. I'm going to kind of recap for a little while. Uh, How many know worship is a choice? Amen. When David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, it was a choice that he had to make. That you got to learn and you got to understand that even when you don't feel like worshiping God, you got to worship God. Long before David was a giant killer, he was a worshiper. Amen. And the Bible says God is seeking the true worshipers. How many want God to find them? Amen. We say it all the time. Lord, if you, you know, what pastor says all the time, don't do it without me. You know, we want, we want God looking at us. We want God, if God is looking for something, I want him to look at me. I want the blessings of God on my life. And the Bible says God is searching for the worshipers. Worship is purely about God and not about us. Amen. And so I talked last week about things that worship is not. Worship is not an event. Though we come together and we have a worship service, it is not that to you until you worship God. Amen. Isaiah 29 says, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as the people draw near with their mouths and their lips do honor me, but remove their heart from me, And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. In other words, God was saying they come to me to sing. They're saying all the right things, but there's one problem. Their heart is far from me. They have made an event out of worshiping. And worship is not an event. Worship is between you and God. You're worshiping the King of Kings with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Which reminds me, worship comes from the heart. Amen? Worship comes from the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. In other words, if you truly love God, it's going to come out, right? You don't even really got to think about it. When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, that's what Mark said, thou shalt love thy, thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, for this is the first commandment. So let's go back. Jesus said, Out of the heart, the mouth is going to speak, right? Out of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And then he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if you do that, if you truly love God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength, how many would raise your hand and say, that's me? I'm hoping everybody can raise their hand and say, that's me. I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you truly do that, then when you come into the house of God and the first key is it, it's automatically going to push out some worship. It's automatically when you hear it, Lord, I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Automatically, it's going to come out. Amen. 
And so worship is not, I said last week, worship is not in the music itself. The music can be a vehicle to take us to a place of worship. But once again, it's not worship unless you participate. Until I worship, it's not considered a worship service to me. And number three was worship is not a performance. I understand we go to concerts and we enjoy concerts, but we're not here to just enjoy. We're here to worship. Amen. In a concert, there is an audience and there are performers. And in here, there is no spectators. There is no audience. We are here in one mind, in one accord to worship. We, we are here. We, we, in worship, we must be the participants, not the observers. Amen? And so worship is not entertainment for me. But, and also, worship is not for me to receive something. I need you to understand that. I'm trying to do a quick recap of last week. Worship is not for me to receive something. Many times we will receive stuff while we are worshiping God, but that's not the purpose of my worship. I am worshiping God because he is God. And some of you want me to continue that sentence, but that's, that's the end of the sentence. I worship God because he is God, period. Amen. In other words, my worship is not predicated on what God can do for me, but I'm worshiping God because who he is. And last I checked, he's still the rock of ages. He's still the bright and morning star. He's still the lily in the valley. Amen. And so I'm here to teach. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to gear it down. Here we go. Webster defies worship as... To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship, in other words, is defined by the priority we place on one, who God is in our life. And two, where God is on our list of priorities. We worship God because he's God. That's it. I don't need another reason. That's all I need to know is he is God. We, we acknowledge that. He is God and we worship him. It is highly appropriate to thank God for all the things he has done for us. However, true worship is shallow if it is solely on the acknowledgement of God's wealth. We must focus our practice of worship on God's worthiness, not God's wealthness. Amen. And so I asked this question last week. I said, would you continue to worship God if you knew from this day forward he could never do another thing for you? If you knew God could never bless you again, that all the blessings you've already received, that's it, it's cut off. Could you still come and lift your hands and worship? You should be able to. Because I'm not worshiping him to receive something. I'm worshiping because he's God. The God who loved me first. We love him because he loved us first. And so if he never blesses me again, he's still worth my worship. Amen. And so that's what we do. We are declaring his worth in worship. We are responding to God. His worth in his worth. He is worthy of our worship. Amen. Amen. And so I said last week, worship is that which values him above everything and everyone. People in this room that we value. How many would just raise your hand and say, there's a lot of people in this room I value. People that are dear to our hearts in this room. I can't imagine my life uh, without some of you, but I don't worship you. Amen. I value you. I only worship one and that's him. 
And I can't imagine my life without you. But with God, it's a little bit different here. i got to switch the words with God. Because with God, it goes beyond my imagination. I can't live without God. You see the difference? I can't survive without God. He is my everything. And so when Jesus said what the greatest commandment was, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words... And I may be stretching this just a little bit, but I really don't believe so. In other words, the greatest commandment that you can do is to worship God. Because you can't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and not worship Him. You can't do it. Because out of the mouth, the heart is going to speak. And so Isaiah 12 and 6 says, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. Why? Because God's going to bless us. No. It says, because for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. See, that's all I need to know. When I come into the house of God and begin to worship, all I need to know is great is the Holy One that is in the midst. And when he is in the midst, he is worth my worship. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. If he is here, he's worth my worship. He's worth my praise. He's worthy. He's already done enough for me. Has he done enough for you? He's already done enough for me. And so I come in here and I just lift my hands and say, God, you've already been good. You've blessed me beyond than I I even can imagine or or that I even deserve. And so today I worship you. And so last week I briefly talked about the difference between praise and worship. I believe that praise is a form of worship, but your worship goes beyond your praise. We praise God for the things that we have. We praise God for the money in the bank. We praise God for the house. We praise God for all of these things. You praise and thank God for that, but my worship goes beyond my praise. When I worship God, I worship God even when I can't afford the clothes. I worship God even when I don't have a car, when the battery died and I'm stranded at the house. I worship God when the bill comes in and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I still worship God. I I worship God because my worship is not affected uh, based on what's going on in my life. My worship is automatically due to him. Amen. I'm not worshiping for what I have. I'm worshiping God for who he is. And he's God. Amen. He's God. And I don't believe we fully understand what is happening when we worship God and so that was I I just gave you a quick recap of last week and uh, I want to continue on here I don't believe we fully understand what happens when we worship God number one I believe when you worship God you silence the enemy look at your neighbor and say silence the enemy do you know your praise and worship paralyzes the devil The devil's job was to praise and to worship God, his full-time gig. That's what he was supposed to do. But pride came into the way and made Satan wanted to be God. And so now we understand that God kicked Satan out of heaven. And since that day, the devil wants you, wants your children, wants your family to worship him in this world. That's his new time, his his new gig is to get your children to worship this world. And how does he do that? He does that by attacking our minds. He will take truth and try to twist it in your mind. The devil is telling your kids all kinds of lies. The devil is trying to convince you that you don't need to worship 
God, that there's no sense into doing that. The devil will attack your mind to the point where you will start to question everything. Anybody ever been there before where the devil is attacking your mind and you begin to question everything? And while you're questioning everything that the devil wants your mind to be on, you know what you are not doing? You are not worshiping God. When your mind is on the things of this world and when your mind is on the problems of this world, generally you are not worshiping God. I believe I said this last week. It's impossible to worship God and listen to the devil at the same time. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what's going on. The devil just keeps talking. And then start worshiping God. Because once you start worshiping God, the devil... Silences the enemy. Your worship can silence... The enemy trying to talk to you, distract you. Yes. I've heard many times before, man, life was much easier in the world. Have you ever heard that before? Man, I've heard that. I've had many young people come to me. Man, it just seems like when I got into the church, everything got worse, right? Ever since, it just seems like the devil just keeps, the devil was fighting you in the world just like he's fighting you now, okay? Life, life I know, people say, you know, it seems like when I lived in the world, life was much, much easier. And, but I'm here to tell you, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Until you get to the other side of the stadium when you're in a football stadium and you realize that now the grass that was greener, now the other side's greener. Because it's the way it was mowed. Come on, somebody. I'm blowing some of y'all's mind. You're like, you mean to tell me that grass ain't greener? No, it's not. It's the same grass. Same grass. So if the devil's telling you the grass is greener on the other side, what is the devil not telling you? Because he cannot tell the truth. Come on now. I would let, I'd rather one day in the house of God is better than a thousand days out there. I'll tell you that much. The devil's not telling you the deep, deep depression that is in our world right now. On the other side, that you're saying the grass is greener. No, the grass is not greener over there. No, no, no. No. Some of y'all need to silence the enemy in your mind because you're listening to the devil way too much. How do I silence the enemy? Begin to worship God in your home, wherever you're at. It's impossible to listen to the enemy and worship God at the same time. In fact, my Bible said all you got to do is mention his name and the enemy's out. All you got to do is mention his name and he's out. Gone. Gone. Amen. He's not staying around. Because he does not want you to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So there are people in this church that the devil has tried to hinder, hinder them. But you would never know it. A lot of times we see people that are up here worshiping God. And, and, and you're like, man, their life is just so great, ain't it? They, they, they must not have anything going on in their life. No, they've learned to silence the enemy. Just because you see me worshiping God doesn't mean the devil's not trying to mess with me. Just because you see me worshiping God doesn't mean the devil has never tried to confuse me, never tried to attack me, never tried to attack my marriage, never tried to attack my family. No, 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 no. I just shifted all of my attention onto him. And when I shift my attention to him, I'm not listening to the enemy. I don't need to hear the enemy's voice. And so maybe instead of you looking at those that are worshiping, saying, man, their life is perfect. No, their life is not perfect. Maybe you should join them and worship. The devil will keep talking until you shut him up. 
And as long as you're going to sit on the back row and you're going to listen, he's going to keep talking. But I don't want him to talk to me. I don't want to hear him. And so I'm going to magnify God. I'm going to silence the enemy. How do I do that? Lord, I love you. Jesus, I magnify you. I glorify you. You are worth my worship. Some of you need to silence the enemy right now. He's been talking to you for way too long. Mm. Amen. I'm going to calm down. I'm sorry. I'm going to calm down. Mm. Help me out, Brother Gary. Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 2. I, I want to. And Brother Gary, I, I didn't give this to you, but why, why are you putting that up? Can you switch it? I, I, wanna, I want the KJV first, and then I want to go to the NIV. I don't know if you can do that. But Psalms chapter 8 and verse 2 says this. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength upon, or has ordained strength because of thy enemies. Thou mightest still the enemy in the avenger. Some of y'all may not understand that. So I want to I want to go to NIV. Can you switch that to the NIV, Brother Gary? It says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold. <laughs> Woo, y'all reading this? I'm just preaching the word right now. A stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe in the avenger. This ain't my opinion. This is the word of God. You want to silence the enemy? You should raise those hands and magnify him and glorify him. Silence him. Put a stronghold against him. Man, that's good stuff. Because my worship can paralyze the enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, your worship can paralyze the enemy. That is why, I need you to hear me, that is why you should never miss an opportunity to come into the house of Lord and worship. And let me take it a step further. That is why you should always have your children in the house of God. There's a lot going on here. You need to take every opportunity you can. So number one, your worship will silence the enemy. Number two is this, your worship will not just impact you, but it will impact those that are around you. Mm. Acts chapter 16, we always run here when we're talking about worship. Acts, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. In verse 24, it says this, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They were charged, they were placed in the inner prison, their feet were tied, they were whipped, they were chained, they were charged. You see, there's going, there, there are going to be some rough times that are going to happen in your life. Amen? Now, everybody understand that. I'm not saying life is going to be perfect. We understand it's on the 
It falls on the just and the unjust. Just because you're worshiping God doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. I, I, I'm reminded uh, about a, a couple years back, I was over at the house of one of our young people, and I was talking with his mother, and she began to tell me everything that she was going through. And, 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 and she, she, she kind of got a little... A little she she lifted her voice and she said she said I'm going through all this but she said you can't tell me it's because I'm not right with God I said that's right I understand she said I'm right with God I might be going through some things but I'm right with God because it falls on the just and the unjust but I will tell you your worship can bring you out of your pit I need somebody to hear me your worship can still bring you out of some things life may not always be easy but that don't mean I just give up and say, ah, it ain't worth it. But God is still worth my worship even in the roughest of times. Amen? And so Paul and Silas are sitting in jail. We understand. True worship begin to worship out of these two men. They did not worship because they knew what was going to happen. You and I, we read the whole chapter and we go, well, man, yeah, we see what happened. They did not know that at that moment. I believe it was true worship. They begin. They love their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they begin to worship God. And they begin to do that. And this worship was a response of two men that love God because why? He first loved them. Right? In verse 25 it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. And they sang praises unto God. And the Bible says, And the prisoners heard them. Say that with me. The prisoners heard them didn't say the prisoners were worshiping with them but they heard them notice Paul and Silas sang praises all the prisoners did was just listen you know I want to talk to a parent really quick I believe it is important for you to worship in your home I believe it is important and I believe it's not just important to go into a closet and shut the door and be quiet and just you and God. You can do that, too. But I believe your children need to hear you worship. Y'all get where I'm going now. They need to hear you worship. Amen. And the Bible says this. After they begin to worship, the prisoners just listen. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. How many in this room just need a then suddenly to happen in their life? How many of you say, hey, I've been going through some stuff in my life, and I'm in a deep need of a then suddenly. How many know when the Bible says then suddenly, something's about to happen. I'm about to blow your mind now, right? Something is about to happen. The Bible says then suddenly. I just want to point out that the Bible did not say then suddenly until the Bible first says that Paul and Silas begin to worship. They begin to sing praises. It was after their singing of praises that the Bible says, then suddenly. Maybe if some of you in this room would get lost in your worship. Maybe in your home, if you would just begin to worship God while your children are listening. Maybe a then suddenly may happen in your home. Maybe then a then suddenly will happen in your life. Amen. I'm reminded I was at a youth camp in Pennsylvania and a girl that uh, was really considered legally blind. She had glasses, was super thick. And, 
and uh, we were friends, and she, she, when she took off her glasses, she couldn't see nothing. She could barely see with her glasses. And on one, uh, uh, one Friday night, she began to worship God and magnify God. And, and, and she took her glasses off, and she set them on the seat. And then she went to me, and she was just up on the front. I remember that night, she was just worshiping God and, 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 and just loving God. And she came back after service, and she, she picked up her glasses, and she put them on. And, and everything was just completely, completely blurry. She could not see at all. And so she took her glasses off. And she began to wipe her eyes off a little bit. And then she put her glasses back on. And everything was completely, once again, was completely blurry. And she was like, couldn't understand. She thought maybe her eyes were just bloodshot. She's trying. Then she noticed that when she took off her glasses, she could read everything that was on the back wall of that sanctuary. Because when she got lost in her worship, a then suddenly happened. You see, when we begin to worship God, oh man, anything can happen in the house of God when you worship God. Anything can happen. I don't know about you, but I need a then suddenly in my life. And so why I'm giving God his worth, why I'm worshiping God, anything can happen in my worship. Could it be that maybe the chains will be broken off your children by you worshiping God at your house? Just while they're listening. Listening. And the Bible says, and then suddenly, verse 26, then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Paul and Silas did the praise and worship. The prisoners just listened. But in the end, the Bible said everybody's bands were loosed. Your worship will not just impact yourself, but it has the power to impact those that are around you. But let's make it more personal. It has the power to impact your family. Father, it has the power to impact your kids. That's why this church, as Pastor said, we will, the men of this church will lead the worship in this church. You don't understand when you are worshiping God, the impact it has on your family. This is Bible. The prisoners just listened and God moved. Amen. Your worship will impact those that are around you. I believe we have parents in this church that Satan has got your children bound and chained by the sin of this world. But I just want to give you an idea. Maybe it's through your worship that God's going to break the chains. You said, I've tried counseling. I've tried grounding them. I've even beat them. (laughs) Have you tried worshiping? Have you tried just walking through your house? Lord, I love you. God, I magnify you. I'm here to tell you, if there's the end, if the Satan is in your house, a spirit that is in your house, it's about to leave when you worship God in your house. Just maybe a then suddenly. How many know this city is bound by sin, suicidal thoughts, depression, bondage? But could it be, Truth Chapel, they might just be listening to our worship. But could it be that the chains will be loosed in this city through the worship of this building? Through the worship, everyone's bands, chains were loosed. It just might be through your worship that your neighbor, maybe somebody coming in into, into our, our second service, may, it just may be through your worship 
that God delivers them. And God begins. Did you ever think about that? It might just be through you. And how many times, how many times have we brought a visitor into the house of the Lord and we said, now, Lord, don't let Sister Sally go wild. <laughs> oh, God, please, 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 please. Let Sister Nadia only run once. God, please. Please, just once. Just please, not the whole service. I don't want them to be embarrassed. Could it be through your worship or their worship God might move? And you're praying away the blessing that God wants to do. And so when you bring in somebody, you say, God, let the worship come. Lord, I love you. I'm going to join them. Because through your worship, it's going to impact those that are around us. They may just listen, but God may lose some bind. Oh, man, God may do some things. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a then suddenly in this church. I'm excited about the vision that is going to be preached today. And I'm going to be on that front row, and I'm going to be backing it up. But I ain't just going to listen to it today. I'm going to go tomorrow, and I'm going to make sure I'm a part of that vision. Amen? And I'm going to worship God the whole time through the good and the bad. Because I'm not wanting to go back to normal. Some of you want to go back to normal, but I want the supernatural. I want God to move in this house. See anybody in this house say, I don't want normal. I don't want normal. I want the supernatural. I want God to move on my family. I want God to move on my children. I want God to move on my marriage. Amen, amen. Your worship. Your worship will silence the enemy. Your worship will not just impact you, but it impacts those that are around you. You can be seated. I just have a couple more points here. See, some of y'all didn't realize that your worship was, was tagged along with all of this. I hope that maybe your mind will be totally renewed and changed by the idea of your worship. Amen. Number three is this. When you worship God, you're stepping into a new dimension with God. What I mean about that is things are going to be a little bit different than what they normally were. When you get into the presence of God, anything is possible. Verse 27 in Acts, it says this. It says, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword. And would killed himself, supposing that the prisoners would have fled. But verse 28 says this, but Paul cried aloud saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Is anybody in the house read that scripture and said, why are you still there? <laughs> the door is open. 
It's like when you're four years old and you realize mom forgot to put, lock the door of the pantry and you have all access. Go through the door. You're good. Go. They're all there. Not one prisoner left an open cell. All of these men were free, but they stayed in the jail. Why? Because when Paul and Silas begin to worship, they stepped into a new dimension. The Bible says that God inhabits is the praises of his people. The presence of God was so powerful in that place that the prisoners wanted to stay. Get this now. The prisoners... This, is, this may not be good to you, but it's good to me. The prisoners found more freedom in the presence of God than they did outside of a jail. Some of them might have been locked up for 10, 20, 30 years. But when the presence of God got in there, they didn't want to leave. They dreamt day after day, the day when I can get out. How do I get out of this place? And then when the presence of God stepped in, they said, oh, I don't want to leave. I can't leave this. My God, that's so powerful to me. It's mind-boggling to me. Most people would say the opposite. I'm ready to get out of here. The doors are open. But they said, no, there is more freedom here in the presence of God than out there. My God, they were prisoners. But when the presence of God was there, when the presence of God was there, when God's presence came in, there was a freedom that came. You know, when the presence of God sweeps into this church, there are people that are bound and God's going to release right now in the name of Jesus. When people walk into the these buildings, they feel, and they'll feel the unmatched presence of God. How are they going to feel that? They're going to feel that through our worship. And if we could just get them in here and stop praying that Sister Sally would worship so much, we need Sister Sally to worship. Because when the presence of God sweeps in here, you say, I want my neighbor to come into church and I want him to stay. You want how to get him to stay? Get the presence of God in here. He ain't going to want to leave. Because there's nothing like the presence of God. When the presence of God sweeps into this room. Amen. The prisoners were like, I'm not going nowhere. Can I tell you today, you'll never find more freedom than when you are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You will never find more peace in your life until... You feel the presence of God in your life. Well, how do I feel the presence of God? you got to start to worship God sometimes in your life. Some of you saying, I haven't felt God in years of my life. Start worshiping God. I promise you, you're eventually going to feel him. Get, get lost in your worship. You're eventually going to feel him. Amen. You see, in our first building, in our very first building off of the Diversified Drive, I remember there was a young man, Scotty. Many of you know Scotty. He would just bring like all kinds of his buddies and they would just come to church. And some of these guys I would meet outside the church and man, they were just, you know, just hard, just, you know, give you that, you know, don't mess with me face. They come into the house of God and I'd watch them just to the first song. They come to the altar and just start bawling. <laughs> because when the presence of God sweeps into the room, he can make a hard heart soft. 
when the presence of God steps into the room. Come on, somebody. See, you didn't realize that when you come in and worship a God, it ain't just about you. You're worshiping him. But those that are around you can be affected by that. And then you're stepping into a new dimension. Anything can happen. All of that's tied with your worship. I pray that you don't ever come into this house again in worship service and sit there with your hands down. I pray that every time you come into the house with your hands raised up, worshiping. Because your worship is tied to so much that goes on in this building. We are a church of worship. And we will worship. Amen. Amen. The prisoner said, we're not going nowhere. I've never felt anything like this before. This is like a whole new world. I, I can't leave this. When you truly worship God, you're taking yourself into a whole new dimension. You're silencing the enemy. You're impacting those that are around you. You're stepping into a new dimension. I'm going to end with this. Your worship shifts your focus from your problem to God. A normal prisoner would have ran. I'm here to tell you what, I am claustrophobic. That's the biggest word I know. I am claustrophobic. And the idea of being locked up, I, I did prison ministry like when I was 19 years old. And I remember going in there and I was just uptight the whole time. And I, I would hardly even walk into those cells. I was afraid that someone would hit the wrong button and I'd be stuck in there. And I'm going to tell you this much. I, I wouldn't survive there like that. It ain't happening. If I was in a prison and... <laughs> Chains came off, door open, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, I'm gone. Many would agree that the jailhouse is a place you don't want to be. I don't know one prisoner that would say, you know what? If I could choose, I'd stay here. I want to be here. But yet that happened when the presence of God swept in there. That's what happened. But what, what they did was they shifted. While the worship was happening, it shifted from the problem to God. These prisoners, you ready for this? The prisoners stayed in their problem because they were no longer focused on their problem. They were focused on him. When the presence of God fell, everyone's focus shifted away from what was surrounding. I believe they forgot they were in a jail. Why didn't they leave? They forgot where they, they got lost in his presence. Everyone's focus shifted. They no longer were focused on the problem, but rather the problem solver. There are times that we are praying, God, bring me out of this situation. God, take me out, take me out. Maybe if we would just shift our focus onto him. Maybe God needs you where you are right now. Maybe God's teaching you something right now. Maybe God's got something for you, and he needs you right here in this season. And instead of you focusing on the problem, why don't we focus on the problem solver and get lost in our worship? Maybe if you would worship God, you would be more comfortable in your skin and more comfortable in your situation. Because you're no longer looking at yourself, and you're no longer worried about yourself, and me, 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 and me, 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 but it's him, 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 him. And when I get my focus off of me onto him, everything seems to work out. Everything.
everything seems to work out for me. My God. Because it's in his presence there's strength and there's joy and there's power. Everything I need is in his presence. Amen. Sometimes God wants you to stay exactly where you are. He just wants you to shift your focus onto him. The prisoner said, we're not going nowhere because what used to be, man, this is good. I wrote this down. What used to be their problem is now their answer. That, Pastor didn't like, I, that was good to me. I was like, Pastor, I already preached that before. That was good to me. What used to be their problem is now their answer. Could it be through our worship that we could find our answer to our problem? Mm. Let me explain something to you. The Bible says this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Yeah. Listen, I need you to understand something. That does not mean that when you worship God, he gets bigger. God can't get any bigger. It means our vision of him gets bigger. When our vision of God gets bigger, then our problem has to get, yeah. The only reason your problem looks so big is because you're facing your problem in, in just your presence, in what you're seeing. But if you could face your problems in the presence of God, when you bring your problems to God and you could focus, it don't seem so bad. I could stay here a little bit longer with the presence of God. I could stay in the jail if the presence of God is here. But you need to pray, I don't want to go nowhere where the presence of God is not. I got to be where the presence of God is. Amen. You see, when you're in the presence of God, you're now looking to the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could even ask or think. Amen. And these prisoners, stand with me. This is going to remind me. I just hit my time. The prisoner said, we're not going nowhere. Because the problem that had them bound is no longer binding them in the presence of God. Did you hear me? The problem that had them bound is no longer binding them in the presence of God. They said, I think I'll just stay here a moment. I think I'll just sit in his presence for a moment. I'd rather be bound in the presence of God than loose in this world. Mm. I'd rather be bound in here worshiping God than loose in this world, dealing with the demons and the devils that are out there. I'd rather stay in the jail. If you want to call this a jail, then I'm staying in the jail. As long as the presence of God is there. As long as the presence of God is there. Amen. I'm going to end with this story. I heard this story. There was a mom, and she put her little boy in bed, and she would go downstairs, and she would hear a big thump. And what happened when she'd run upstairs, he rolled out of, out of the bed. And so she kept putting him back in the bed, and he just kept rolling out of the bed. And finally the boy said, Mom, can you fix this bed so I won't fall out? And the mom said this. She said, it's really... Simple, buddy. She said, you never go far enough in. You're just staying on the edge. The reason you keep falling out 
is because you're just on the edge. Well, the reason some of you in this room keep going back to the same old things is because you've never really fully got in. But I just wonder, could we just push a little bit further into the worship of God? I just wonder, instead of being on the edge of our worship saying, Sally, stop worshiping. I wonder, could we just say, Sally, can I worship with you? I don't want to be on the edge. I want to get in. Can we do that right now, just for a moment, with somebody in this house? Magnify them. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.